Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz Today. Welcome back, everybody, to Tony Katz Today. I'm your guest host today, Kira Davis. I am the host of Just Listen to Yourself with Kira Davis. It's a whole podcast dedicated to thinking critically through the issues of the day. You can find that wherever you find your audio podcast. But uh, right now I want to talk about another sector of society of of culture that we really need to be paying attention to that's film and i don't know if you know rob reiner he's a famous director you may know him as a meathead Uh, rob reiner has produced well an interesting new movie called god and country that targets the quote rise of christian nationalism i'm going to read a description for you here god and country looks at the implications of christian nationalism and how it distorts not only our constitutional republic <laughs> i'm going to try to get through this without laughing but christianity itself okay <laughs> featuring prominent christian thought leaders God and country asks this question, what happens when a faith built on love, sacrifice, and forgiveness grows political tentacles, conflating power, money, and belief into hyper-nationalism? Oh, does that sound like something you'd want to go see? Looks like, looks like a lot of people don't want to go see this movie. So here to talk about it with me today is my friend and film critic, Christian Toto. He is the founder of Hollywood and Toto. He's an award-winning film critic and podcaster. He's got bylines in The Daily Wire, The Blaze, Newsbusters, and other places. Christian, welcome to the Tony Cats today. Oh, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah. So uh, have you seen this movie? I haven't. You know, I often get press screening links to a variety of films, uh, usually the smaller films, the bigger ones. That There are press screenings here in Denver where I live, but I didn't get access to this one. It's only last time I checked in about 85 theaters across the country, but it got a full court press. Uh, journalists were talking to Rob Reiner ad nauseum. So he got all the free publicity he could possibly want for the film, but the early results have not been promising, <laughs> to be kind. Yeah, what about what about those results? I mean, only you said 86 screens. I mean, it's so far it's pulled in $60,000, which in Hollywood terms is about zero pretty much. I mean, it, the proof is in the pudding is what I'm saying. Yeah, absolutely. You know, listen, part of the plan with these kinds of movies is it's an independent film, it's a documentary. It doesn't go wide. You're not gonna see this in 3,000 screens right away. But what they try to do is they open it up in select theaters, and then if there's a strong response, then they slowly uh, uptick the number of theaters. So it does great one weekend, then it opens in more and more, word of mouth spreads, and then that's the momentum that smaller films tried to build. But I, you know, I've been checking the last few days on uh, different websites that track the box office, and it's not even registered. Uh, the, the most recent ha- tally had the top 36 films in the country, and it didn't even crack that. So it is not going well. And uh, I'm not surprised on multiple fronts. I, I think often these things are a bit of a, a fever dream of sorts where it just really appeals to the very hardcore partisans. And there's not a huge demographic out there that wants to go to the theater to get lectured at by this kind of filmmaking. And technically speaking, most people in America still count themselves as Christians, as as adhering to the Christian faith in some way, be there, be it either cultural or spiritual. So he, he's still up against a majority population. But here's what's interesting to me uh, is 
is this idea of of making Christian nationalism into some kind of danger. I don't know if you saw the clip earlier this week from CNN of that reporter talking about how she's covering the rise of quote Christian nationalism and saying that one thing she's noticed about noticed about all of these racist groups is that they all share one thing in common. They all believe their rights come from God and not from government or a piece of paper. And it was shocking to hear her say that out loud. But that is part of this larger attempt, I believe, Christian, and especially is coming out of the cultural center of Hollywood, which is we have to demonize Christians. We have to tear down Christians. We have to take down this group because they're a powerful voting block and because their values do not mesh with progressive values. And we're seeing guys like Rob Reiner sort of take the mantle of that and try to force this down our throats. I couldn't agree more. Listen, this is all about Trump. This is all about defeating Trump in the uh, next few months. This is all about, well, the white supremacist line. Maybe that's not sticking like we wanted it to stick because people look around them and they say the violence and the mayhem and the destruction doesn't appear to be coming primarily from white supremacists. So maybe maybe this is a bit of a pivot uh, to a, a, new, uh, a new demographic we can slam and malign. And even though it's cruel and cold to do so, they're going to do it. So listen, this is what documentaries are all about these days. There are so many left-leaning to hard-left docs out there. They often don't draw a crowd. This is not unusual. But what I'm more intrigued by is a lot of newer documentaries that are either center-right or just apolitical that are fascinating, that are coming out on different platforms. And I'm talking about films like The Coddling of the American Mind, which just debuted on Substack. There's another uh, a docu-series called The Reformers, that is out available right now uh, from filmmaker Michael Nana. So, you know, I think you're getting a lot of interesting, thought-provoking, almost subversive content that's not coming out of Hollywood. And that that is more intriguing to me, and I bet you gets more eyeballs, too. Do you think this is, do you think we're setting up kind of a parallel economy here in entertainment? Because I went, I, I love going to the movies by myself, Christian, and I had the I you know the notion the other day to go see a movie in the middle of the day and I was looking up what was on the screens and there was just absolutely nothing out and I'll see <laughs> almost anything and there was just nothing out that sparked even a little bit of interest and so we're seeing the entertainment industry sort of flounder Disney's going through a lot of changes right now and so those documentaries that you just mentioned they're not getting widescreen releases that we're not talking about some of these movies coming out in theaters and yet there there does seem to be a market for it you mentioned substack you know that is a great direct market and we're watching people like at the daily wire get involved and it's starting to look like we don't really need the theater system anymore which i you know that bothers me because i love going to the theater but it looks like to me especially given all of the new restrictions and guidelines that the, the Academy is putting on films that can be nominated, all of these DEI requirements, it seems to me like we are going to see a shift. We've already seen it, but we're going to see another shift in how people get their entertainment. Is there an entertainment parallel economy starting to come up? There certainly is. You know, I think when it comes to fiction films, it's a David versus Goliath situation. No matter how many movies the Daily Wire produces, and they're, they're doing a yeoman effort in this regard, they really can't compete with Dune 
or Madam Web, which is a terrible movie, but still going to have all the budget and all the, uh, the bells and whistles of a mainstream production. But I will say, when it comes to the documentary format, the price of making these films has, has lowered substantially. The technology has risen substantially. So you can make a good-looking, clean, polished presentation, put it online, either Rumble or YouTube or Substack or wherever, and all the different barriers that used to be there are mostly gone. So you are seeing that. And, uh, you know, so you're seeing these different stories that should be told, but they're not being told. But they're out there now, and you could check them out. And I, I would bet, I don't think I, it doesn't take a wizard to say that what is a woman from The Daily Wire, I think about a year ago, I guarantee more eyeballs were on that film than the Rob Reiner project. Mm -hmm. Guarantee it. That is so good. And of course, you can go to HollywoodInToto.com uh, to find out about all of Christian Reviews, all of these documentaries. So if you're curious, how do I find these things? Go to his website, bookmark it, follow him on Twitter uh, at HollywoodInToto. And uh, that's your Twitter handle, right? Yes. Hollywood and Toto, yeah, T-O-T-O, -T -O, like the dog. And um, and and go find that, because that's where you're gonna find a lot of these things. But I wanna just shift gears really quickly here. We have a few minutes left. Uh, the sure. Daily Wire reporting today that um, in the UK, they have changed the rating of Mary Poppins. They've put a PG rating on it due to, quote, discriminatory language. What is the discriminatory language in it? Well, at one point, Admiral Boom asks Michael if he plans to go on an adventure to quote defeat hottentots and apparently hottentot is an older term used to describe a certain sect of south uh, a certain south african tribe i have no, no idea uh, it's it, colonizers of south africa use the term to refer to the indigenous kyoko people and it's now considered a racial slur so now they have put this new uh it, as if it's pornography i mean christian we have literal pornography in kindergarten classrooms and the uk is slapping a pg rating rating on mary poppins what the hell is going on here yeah the uk scares me these days and i, I hate to say that but i've seen a lot too many of these cultural stories across my smartphone to not be worried about it but listen this is virtue signaling at its finest and i use that <laughs> i use that term loosely and with lots of uh, tongue-in-cheek it's what happens right now. No one is offended by this. No one is outraged by this. No one notices this, but they're going to do it to make themselves feel better, to say, hey, we've done something. We've taken a stand. There's no child who processes this, this, that word. There's nothing going on here, but they make themselves feel better. They puff out their chest and say, look, we just helped. Look, look at all the good we did. It's like the Ralphie meme on, uh, uh, from The Simpsons uh, across Twitter. It's it's absurd. But I think the one good thing about events like this is that when you point out the absurdity, when the average person says, what's going on? Come on, Mary Poppins, really? Then all of a sudden, the, the house of cards starts to crumble. And I, I think I think we're we're leaning into that direction right now. And then another reason, frankly, why you should buy physical media, which yeah, I have started right. doing. Because they're starting to retract some of this stuff and even take some of these things out. Yeah, I mean, you know, I just reported a few weeks ago about how if you go to Max, the streaming service, and watch Blazing Saddles, you have to watch a lecture about why this film isn't as evil and bad as you think it is because it oh, uses the N-word. You know, it's, it's absurd. No one cares. We enjoy these films. If you want to have that information out there, that's fine. You can put it on a YouTube channel. But why do I have to sit through that lecture and, and be dumbed down by this by this person saying, well, you need to really understand the context here. Well, no, 
I want to watch a movie. I get it. I'm not, a, I'm not an idiot. I understand they're making fun of racists. They're not embracing racism. It's very obvious the movie's about 50 years old. We love it. And that's the reason why we love it. Come on. I know it is. It is ridiculous. But people go by physical media. Well, thank you, Christian, for popping into the show today. Would you just remind everyone where they can find you and how they can find out more about these types of documentaries that you were talking about earlier? Yeah, you know, they don't get much press. So I, I you know, it's itself. <laughs> it helps me to come visit my website, but I will write about them. It's Hollywood in toto t-o-t-o dot com i try to cover as much as i can in this space and the hollywood and toto podcast comes out each wednesday all right well thank you christian and uh good luck out there really appreciate it all right everybody we've got to go to a break but when we come back we'll have more talking to do because i'm always talking and this is tony katz today Welcome back to Tony Katz today. I am your guest host today, Kira Davis. You can uh, find out more about me on Twitter at real Kira Davis or go to my Substack, just Kira Davis.substack.com. That's K I R A. We were just talking with the critic, film critic Christian Toto, Hollywood in Toto. T-O-T-O, like the Wizard of Oz dog, we were talking about, one of the things we we're talking about is this change in the Mary Poppins rating because of, uh, well, one word uses the word hot and tot. Apparently it's a colonizer word. So now it's gone from being rated G for everyone to PG. Parental guidance suggested, as I told Christian, we have literal porn in the classroom. I'm in here in Southern California. I ran for my school board in 2022. One of the big issues we were facing was one of our teachers in our local high school had a queer, she called it this, her words, not mine, a queer library. She was an English teacher, not health class, not social studies. She taught English. She had a queer library. And in that library were books that described graphic sexual acts and how to find partners to perform these acts with, how to use Grindr, Tinder, all those things. We have that in our classrooms, and yet we have people saying, oh, we need to censor this classic movie because, because of the colonizer language. This is why I say, go get your physical media. I am not in favor of this type of erasure because it's doing the opposite of what the, of what the, the you know, bleeding hearts hope it will do. Right? They want to erase racism. They want to erase discrimination. Hey, you're never going to completely erase those things. You'd have to completely erase humanity. Our hearts are wicked. God is the only solution for, for our wicked hearts. But we have the affairs of God and we have the affairs of man. And But if we erase, this is why I, I, I hate that that N-word has replaced the actual word. Because I think we need to remember how ugly it is how disgusting it is, how vile it is. But we bleed out all of its danger by preventing people from even using it, even using it when you're describing what somebody else said. I was having a discussion with my 16-year-old daughter. They're reading The Great Gatsby in school. And there's a description of a Jewish character in there that is that is highly, you, we would consider, of course, offensive to to this day, it's very stereotypical. They describe this guy using terms like, you know, describe his nose, his big crooked flat nose and beady eyes. And he was a money grubbing lawyer. And th these are stereotypic 
stereotypical, uh, stereotypical, excuse me, uh, descriptions of Jewish people from a time gone by, unfortunately, a time that's coming back. And I asked her what she thought about that. And she didn't recognize the description. She didn't even know that these were terms that were used to refer to Jewish people and that this was an insult. And I told her, had a discussion with it right in our living room yesterday. So this is why I disagree with the way schools are whitewashing everything for you kids. Because now you don't, you can't recognize inflammatory language when you see it. You can't recognize discrimination when you see it because you don't know how it sounds and you don't know what it looks like. That's the result of what we're doing. We're not erasing discrimination. We're making it worse because people like my daughter aren't raised with the instincts to identify this stuff, point it out, and do what needs to be done with it, which is ridicule it and shame it. You can't shame a bad idea you're not even allowed to see. So no, these things should not be erased from our books, our language, our discourse. All of the ugliness should be up front and right in our faces. That's why I believe in free speech. Yeah, show me the racist. If you're a racist, I want to know. I want to know who I'm dealing with. So you should absolutely be able to say whatever you want. But you can't escape the consequences of saying whatever you want. You might get a punch in the face. My prerogative. But I'll deal with the consequences of that. But what I don't want to see is us, and I'm using this term deliberately, whitewashing ugliness as some sort of solution. And all it's doing is giving people permission to bring all of these stereotypes and insults and inflammatory language and racist ideas back. Because the watcher on the hill has been removed. We no longer see it. And so it's not there. It's like when you, when you play hide and go seek with a baby, and you cover the baby's eyes, that baby thinks you've disappeared. Or have you seen that TikTok trend where people put a, they get their dogs out and they put a blanket up and the dog thinks you're gone because the dog doesn't have space, awareness of, of dimensions or a dog is not self-aware. So it doesn't know that you don't disappear when it, it, when you disappear from its sight and then you drop the blanket and watch the dog freak out. That's what progressives are doing to us. They're holding up a blanket and they're going, okay, now all this bad stuff isn't there anymore because you can't see it. It is. It's lurking behind that blanket, ready to jump out at us, ready to cause chaos, ready to cause trouble. We absolutely have to be upfront with this. This is why I, I believe we should be showing images of the October 7th attacks across the country on TV. It should be readily available. We should see how horrible that was. Not to shock you, not to fear monger, but to remind you that this stuff is here. It hasn't gone away. And you need to be able to identify it clearly. We need to be training our kids to identify this. I couldn't believe my, my daughter didn't even know that Jewish people are discriminated against. That's a conversation we had to have. Now we do have that in our home because I'm very aware of these issues, but not everybody does. The deliberate whitewashing of ugliness will lead to more ugliness. Bet on that. All right, don't go anywhere. We've got a lot more to talk about, but a short time to do it. I'm Kira Davis and I'm filling in for Tony Katz. You're listening to Tony Katz today.
Welcome back to Tony Katz today. I am your guest host, Kira Davis, filling in for my good friend, Tony Katz, as he makes his way to Israel. It's been a pleasure to be here with you today. We're in our last half hour. Time flies when you're having fun. Not a lot of fun stuff going on out and about, but we always have fun on the airwaves, don't we? And I, speaking of fun and good times, President Biden was giving a speech on crime just before the break, and I happened to tune into a little bit of it. Oh, my gosh. I guess I'm laughing. (laughs) I guess. I guess you have to laugh to keep from crying. First of all, I don't spend a whole lot of time watching Joe Biden live. Usually it's just pointless. And it's it's so, and watching him, I'm just reminded of why I don't. It was brutal. It is brutally excruciating to watch this man speak. And I am embarrassed for this country and frightened because if you know anything about global politics, you know that that evil leaders take advantage of weak leaders. And we have a weak leader, and it isn't just that he appears weak. He is weak. But the appearance matters. The appearance matters. Look at, uh, look at what the commies do in Russia with Putin. That guy's there's something wrong with that guy. He's obviously not well. He probably has cancer. He's probably sick and he's also crazy. And yet every image of him projected is now of these are lies. Of course, they're, they're lies. It's, it's massaging, but at least they, at least they know, you know, how to try to present something strong. You, you pictures of him riding bears, Biden rides bicycles and he falls off of them. Pictures of of Putin training with Olympic gymnasts. Biden trips going upstairs. He walked to that mic. He's just so frail. So the whole thing was about crime. And don't you think it's interesting, folks? This is how chaotic the Democrat Party is right now. Don't you think it's interesting that a mere three years ago, we were being assaulted nonstop by Black Lives Matter, defund the police, Nancy Pelosi kneeling in the rotunda in a kente cloth. We were being assaulted by all that up and down every which way, everywhere we turn. And the Democrats were were doing nothing but insulting police officers. And we have had record resignations in police forces across the country. In fact, I've got a story in front of me right now that says Houston is having to reduce their crime cases by 264,000 cases. They are dumping 264,000 thousand investigations. They simply do not have the manpower to handle it. The Democrats have been out there. Don't see Biden wants to talk about how effective he is. He has been effective. The Democrats have been affected. That messaging worked. And what did we we do? We defunded police departments across the country. And there's been this national campaign against them. Oh, and now the president wants to get up and talk about how he supports law enforcement. Why is that? because their original BS plan didn't work. And Americans have to face the results of it in real time every day. So I was watching this and I was astounded he had the police chief of Detroit up there, Detroit, 
talking about how they've reduced all this crime in Detroit. Detroit, folks, if you're out there, call me, 317-239-9393. Tell me, is Detroit safer? Do you feel safer in Detroit right now? I don't know a single person, liberal, conservative, Democrat, Republican, I haven't run into a single person. And I mean this, I'm not being dramatic, although I do have a tendency to lean towards dramatic. I might be one of those female psychopaths we were talking about earlier. <laughs> I'm not being dramatic. I have not met a single person in the last four years who says they feel safer where they are. They might blame different people for the problems, but I haven't met anybody who says they feel safer. I was astonished to hear this man. Frankly, you know what? Let me just go here. I'm going to go there. As a black woman, yeah, I was really disappointed to see that black man up there shilling for the Biden administration, knowing what his city has become. You want to talk about traitors? That's a traitor. Don't tell me that Tim Scott's a traitor. Don't tell me that Clarence Thomas is a traitor. Don't tell me that I'm a traitor because I tell a conservative line because I believe in the values of limited government and personal freedom. Don't tell me I'm a traitor and then this black man knows he's sitting in the middle of this black city knowing what his own people are going through every day and knowing whose fault it is. And then you go up there and tap dance for the, pre for the feeble president of the United States and for the party that has abandoned the black community, well, one of the two parties that has abandoned the black community. <laughs> Miss me with that, Mr. Police Officer. You're the traitor. Because what you need, and then he had the nerve, this police chief had the nerve to talk about gun crime. Well, we still have too many guns in our community. But no word on, on the flood of illegal immigrants that are coming into Detroit, that are causing chaos and havoc. No word on, the, the, on inflation and how that's driving people into poverty and possibly driving crime statistics. None of that. Oh, it's, it's guns. And then we have our feeble president coming up to the podium and listening to him speak, it really is excruciating. It really is. And he's talking about how, oh, we know that crime is an issue and we've been working and we've been, he gave a bunch of random numbers. I'm not gonna fact check live on the air because none of them are true. He gave a random, a bunch of random numbers about how the decline of violent crimes murder, assault, and theft across the country. And he gave some ridiculous numbers like 26%, 30%, seen a reduction in gun homicides. He gives us that. And it's partially true. Because you know how you lower crime rates if you're a Democrat? You don't prosecute crime. You just change the definition of crime. Democrats love to do that, don't they? Just change the definition of it. Change the definition of marriage, and then it can mean whatever we want. Change the definition of gender, and then it can mean what now you're wrong. Now you're anti-science. Change the definition of peace, of peaceful protest. Change the definition of, of religion of peace. <laughs> change the definitions, and now you're wrong. The ideas haven't changed. The solutions haven't changed. We've just changed how you define things. So... If you make laws like we like Prop 47 that we have here in California, where we're trying to get 
a recall of that law. What do you call it? They get that call law rescinded, excuse me. Uh, we're trying to get that put on the next ballot for November. Prop 47, deceptively titled, again, these people lie to you. Democrats are liars. The Democrat apparatus is an apparatus of lies. They sold it to us. It's called the Safe Schools and Neighborhoods Act. I kid you not. That is the name of this. Do you think it has anything to do with schools and or neighborhoods? Zip, zero, nada. I don't think the word school is even mentioned in it, except for in the title. What it does do is reduces the sentences for violent crimes and makes some violent crimes into felonies. Here's the other thing it does. Keep an eye on this, folks. It's coming to you, no matter where you are. Don't think that this is just something that's here in California. It's coming to you. His name is Gavin Newsom, and he's going to be running for president at some point. And his goal is to California eyes all of America. So here is the other interesting thing that Prop 47 does. If you are charged with multiple offenses, of course, a violent offense, some offenses are going to uh, garner more time, a, a higher sentence. So what it does is it places the three most minor charges at the top of your charge sheet. And that, those three minor offenses are what the courts take into account when they're delivering your sentence or when they're deciding if you're up for early release. That was the other thing Prop 47 did, created a bunch of early releases. Released 200,000 criminals into the population overnight. And I mean criminals, not people who served their time and were rehabilitated or, or whatever, just served their time and, and did what they were supposed to do. Talking about people who are in prison for crimes like rape and murder, gang-related crimes, trafficking crimes, just released into the population overnight because what their lawyers did was re reorganize their charges to put the three uh, lesser offenses on top. So if you murdered somebody while you're committing a burglary, then the burglary is what you're going to be sentenced is, is what is going to be considered in your parole in early release so yeah crime statistics are in california are going down but it's just because we've redefined what crime is we don't charge people you can steal up to 950 dollars a day here of products and and get away with it you won't be charged so that's happening every single day even where i live in my cozy little suburb that's happening I went to the store the other day to buy face, face cream, cream for my beautiful aging skin. And uh, it was locked up behind a cabinet. And you know what I did? I walked out because I was like, well, I'll just order this. Why would I stand here? And I don't need to, I don't need this right away. And I'm not going to stand here and wait for a beleaguered associate to come and open this for me. That's where we're at now. Because you can't, you can't, you know, the police here in California have said, don't even call us if your car gets stolen. Don't even call us. It doesn't matter. Call your insurance company. So those crimes don't get reported. My friend, you know, my friend's car got broken into. The police said, just take pictures and file with your insurance. They're not apprehending car thieves. So yeah, the crime rate <laughs> looks like it's going down. If you're a Democrat, you can just lie about anything. These people think we're stupid. 
And frankly, I don't know what proof we have that we're not because we keep electing them. For the most part, we keep elect keep electing them. I just I was astounded to hear knowing that Biden was the main guy talking about he had the nerve to thank this tap dancing man over there. He had the nerve to thank him. It's we love police. We support police. No, you all don't. You have spent the last four years running down the fine men and women in uniform, calling them everything under the sun but a child of God. But now you see crime as a problem. People are having to deal with it right where they live, and you see it's going to affect your election chances. So now all of a sudden, Biden is like, yeah, we're reducing crime. No, you're not. You're reducing punishment. And that reduces the statistics. It's all, you, they're doing this with men and women too, right? You're gonna notice in the next few years, the statistics for female criminals increasing, not because women are, are, are committing more crimes, but because more men are identifying as women when they're charged so that they can get into women's prisons. And it's affecting the way we report crime. This, this issue goes so much further than any one given issue. This is a complete restructuring of society and morality. This really is our last stand. Are you going to make it? Or are you just going to go with the flow? The flow just ends up in the sewer, my friends. All right, we're wrapping the show up, but we still got a little time left. Don't go anywhere. I'm Kira Davis filling in for Tony Katz, and you are listening to Tony Katz today. Welcome back to Tony Katz today. I am your guest host, Kira Davis, filling in for Tony while he travels. It's been a real pleasure to be with you all today, chatting about, oh, this, that, and the other. Uh, I don't know if you've seen, but Monica Lewinsky's back in the news. Hey, y'all, did I tell you all this? Uh, my daughter, 16 years old, yeah, she learned what a, uh, <clears throat> what, oral stimulation is in class because they were talking about Bill Clinton. So the legacy of Bill Clinton lives on. She was absolutely shocked, by the way. She was absolutely shocked that this happened in American politics. I was shocked at how shocked she was because it's, as as a Gen Xer, it's all ingrained in my mind. But it's just amazing that all these years later, that it is still an unbelievable incident in American history. She was forgive the term, blown away. <laughs> anyway, Monica's back in the news. She is now the new face of Reformation. It's a fashion line and they've launched, launched a workwear collection. And so she's, she's the face of it. And I gotta tell y'all, she looks amazing. <laughs> she looks really good, really good in these power suits. And, you know, I, I feel for Monica Lewinsky. Now, she's still a, a Democrat, which I find to be bizarre, but the, I do feel for her. You know, she got the, again, to, I apologize for the phrase, the short end of the stick. And I don't know, I can't talk about Monica Lewinsky. Why did I think this was a good idea? She she has really made a name for herself though what a terrible thing it's not like today where we have so many other distractions with social media the news cycle is so short so quick back then it was all monica lewinsky all the time monica bj's and oj that's what we were talking about 
And she had to live with that and learn how to forge a life moving forward, basically being branded with the scarlet letter. So more power to her for moving forward in her life and figuring out how to make something of herself out of that. And I just wanted to say, uh, I just wanted to, uh, she gave an interview to Vanity Fair and this is what she had to say. She said, you can't run away from your narrative. Perhaps the most challenging idea I had to come to accept was that there was no shedding or unshackling of the self that sprang from 1998. You can only try to integrate your previous selves with as much compassion as you can muster. And, you know, frankly, just taking the filters off of who Monica Lewinsky is and what she was involved in, I think it's good advice for all of us. You've got to integrate the past into your present. That's why I talk about, you know, not whitewashing history, not forgetting about the awful things we said and did, not trying to pretend that we did. That's what Monica Lewinsky is saying. I'm not trying to pretend it didn't happen. I'm saying it's part of what happened. It's part of who makes me who I am. And that is the story of America, isn't it? All of these crazy, terrible, awful, and wonderful things that happened, they all mix up to make this experiment we call America. And if we forget any one part, we are no longer American. So let's remember who we are. It's been great to see you. Join me on Twitter at Real Kira Davis. I'm Kira Davis, and this has been Tony Katz Today. <laughs>